Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and thanks for having me. Today's topic, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. It is the final installment in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original film series. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Calabunga, dude. I mean, these are your guys, Turtles. I enjoy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but out of the two of us, you're definitely the bigger fan. We reviewed the first movie together. I did uh, the second film, Secret of the Use, with Jay, but mm-hmm. I thought to close off the trilogy, to bring you back for this one, and I know how you feel about the first one. We did a full review, of course. And yeah, absolutely. We've talked Spoiler about really it. <laughs> We've talked about the second one. I don't know what your feelings are on this film. So I've got to be honest, I am very, very interested. But we'll we'll get to that. You're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Good. The creature effects were provided by the All Effects Company rather than Jim Henson's Creature Shop, which acted mm. as the provider for the previous films. I mean, already. It's like I'm I'm hearing dropping quality, but you know, let's be optimistic. The film was released theatrically in the US March 19, 1993 by New Line Cinema. It received mostly negative reviews with a general consensus from the critics that the film did not feature any villains and stories from the original Mirage comics or the 1987 animated series. It received moderate box office success, grossing $54.4 million against a budget of $21 million, making it the lowest rated entry in the series. An animated film, TMNT, was released in 2007, which does make reference to the prior live-action films. The film series was completely rebooted in 2014 with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, following the acquisition of the franchise by Viacom. And that is, of course, the Michael Bay produced films, which I think... He went on to also do Out of the Shadows. That's right, the sequel, Stephen Amell, Casey Jones, all of that. And I reckon reckon we'll we'll do TMNT next, and we'll just continue. We've got the new movie coming out in a couple of months. Yeah, that looks... uh, Yeah, why not? Let's just run with it, dude. Just keep doing them. We will keep yeah. going. So yeah. If you're unfamiliar, the plot of this movie, the Turtles are on a new adventure as they travel back in time to Japan to perfect the art of being samurais. They also come to the aid of a village that tries to end its days of suppression. We can start with, with the director. A baby, I mean, again, I really do want to know what what your thoughts are on this. So this movie was directed by Stuart Gillard. He is best known for directing this film and a film titled Rocket Man from 97, which I hadn't heard of, but then found it's a Disney film. It's a comic science fiction film starring Harland Williams, Jessica Lundy, William Sadler, and Jeffrey Dumont. It's a partial remake of the 1967 film, The Reluctant Astronaut. So that's one of this guy's biggest credits. And then from 97, oh no, he did that in 97 after this. So, okay. This is one of his first films then. Yeah. Before we get to the characters, how are you feeling? 
How are you feeling about this film? Well, I think pretty much everything you've just said has been foreshadowing and foreboding um, and pretty much nails the overall theme and feeling of this film. Um, it was not as great as the first two. And the very fact that Jim Henson wasn't providing the, the costumes and another company took it up should tell you everything you need to know. And the fact that they didn't stick to any of the source material uh, and largely just invented a whole new plot where they travel back in time should tell you everything you need to know. Um, look, I, I wanted to love it like it so badly as a kid because I just love the turtles so much. But even, even, even you know, then I was probably so when, when this came out, like when 93, 94? 93. Yeah, 93. I was 13 at the time. So, and I still like, I was just coming out of it. I still wanted to like it so badly, but the turtles' popularity was starting to wane. Um, you know, the Power Rangers were coming in, they were the new great big shiny thing. Um, and I was angry at the Parallel Rangers too for take for stealing the Turtles Thunder on TV, just quietly. <laughs> oh, um, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and but, so I guess I guess um, the Turtles did start to fade for me a little bit there. I mean, look, I'll always love them, but at that point, I'd reached a low or a lull in my in my affinity for them, and I think this movie played a big big role in that because it just was so underwhelming. Uh, uh, coming off the high the first two movies and just how great they were and how much they nailed the, the feel and the tone of the turtles and everything that came before it just was so underwhelming and so uh, so crushing as a young kid to see this movie and just see it not be what it could have been and, and not kind of ride that momentum and ride the coattails of those two earlier films that, and, and so it left a bad taste in the mouth i won't lie it's interesting hearing in you say and, and, and i agree yeah <laughs> this film is it's one of these things is not like the other, and it's the more yeah. time travel. It's just it is so different to that first two. But if you look tonally, mm. it was heading in a particular direction. Now, with that first mm. movie that came out in 1990, at the time, I think it was like the highest grossing indie movie of all time. And mm. you know, audiences loved it, and it was a darker take on what we'd seen in the comics and that cartoon mm. in 87. And... When the second movie came around, I guess, you know, the studio, they're rubbing their hands a little bit and they're like, do you know what? We need to reach that audience that like the cartoon. Like, we need to yeah. make it more kid Let's friendly. go beyond the grittiness of the comics and get... Yeah, so that was yeah. that was happening with Secret of the Ooze. I mean, that film... It was. ...didn't actually have Casey Jones. Like, he wasn't no, in that one. And they he, brought him. They brought him back in this. Yeah, but he's he the doesn't. Feature of this. But mate, he doesn't fight anybody. He no, does not. Casey Jones just, in this. He only acts as a baby for the time travelers. That's yeah. all he does. But it's almost like they felt bad for not bringing him back for the second one. So saying in this, so yes, let's bring Elias back. Well, you can be. Yeah, you can be Casey Jones, but we're also going to have you play. Wit, a, baby a new character. Yeah. Is it? Well, he's two characters. That's right. He was but doing he's... roles, and he shaved his head and grows a beard for the for uh for the back in time sequences. Ah, oh, it's it's a waste. It's so it is weird. absolutely it's... a waste. It's so jarring. And, yeah. I mean, they do bring Paige Turco back from yes, April, of the Use. So that's okay. Well. Okay. So, but you know what? If I'm going to praise this film, when April swaps places and then she's in Japan. Mm. The outfit that she wears, because you know the swapping mm. bodies. Yeah, I think she looks pretty cool in that outfit. But oh, that'd make a good yeah. toy. 
She looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. And she did. She was pretty kick-ass. Yeah. She wasn't just I'm some struggling. help with the I'm struggling to find nice things to say about this one. I mean, Corey Feldman hey. does return as the voice of Donatello. He Othello, was that's right for the second one. I mean, that's, that's right. cool, I guess. I mean, he missed out on the better film of the two, of two and that's three. That's true. He's back, so that's um, that's cool. That's okay. something. I mean, you've got some consistencies there. You've got uh, Josh Pace, uh, who's the voice of Raphael. He's been Raph for all four, all three of the earlier movies. So he he comes back and does Raph. I don't know if uh, Michael Sisti comes back and does Michelangelo. Got a feeling he does. I can't remember who does Leo. But uh, what was it? Ernie Reyes Jr. was the the body double for Donnie in all the movies. Uh, just that Corey Feldman was the voice in, in two out of the three. And that's, yeah, there's the puppeteers, yeah, who are mm. in, in the costumes. Yes, yeah, so multiple yeah. people doing the characters to life. But then yeah. I guess if you're looking at performers or who you hear, you're thinking, mm. oh, look. Two different things. It's Corey Feldman, as Donatello, but you're right. Like It's more than him, that that play, that particular yeah. particular character. That, he, he's one of the voice cast. And then, yeah. Yeah, I think just... I think what really lets this movie down is just tonally. It's just like, as we've been saying, it's such a jarring shift from the early entries into the movie canon. And it just, it was trying so hard to, like you say, it was, you know how in the second movie you were saying they were trying to reach that cartoon audience. I feel like they had more of an achieved their goal with that. And in this, it was just, it was trying to, it was, it was trying to be full circle. It was trying to really drive home that kid friendly thing with the turtles. And I think their popularity was was on the wane when this movie had come out, and it just you know other things were popping up pop culturally and stealing their thunder. Yeah, it, it, it's disappointing. I did find in my research now. I've not actually read these, but the concept is loosely based on a story called Masks from issues forty six and forty seven of the original Mirage comics. The story right. features the turtles and Renner. Not sure who that is. You might know. <laughs> but anyway, We're those not, characters yeah. travel back to feudal Japan to fight an evil shogun and engage in samurai battles. So I've got those issues. Yes. Okay. So they, it's kind of loosely. Yeah, you know, there based, is a little bit. Based on that. But, but still, though, I mean, we're talking like almost 50 issues of a comic to introduce mm. time travel. This is the third mm. film in a live action series. And it just yeah. seems. Just really odd, like it doesn't fit. But then there were something clearly, about it just doesn't stick. It doesn't know, but they were clearly like still forming the story and the devices because, I mean, in the movie, it's a staff, and that's what mm. has them transported back. Yet yeah. early on, the early drafts, it was going to be a sword. So some mm. of the some of the posters or artwork for this film, a sword is seen. But they obviously mm. decided anyway. So, Change their mind. Ah, they know. He just yeah. There's it's, too many inc- it's a bit incongruencies, muddled. inconsistencies. And look, I can, I need to be clear. I wanted to like this film. I wanted to love it because of my love for the turtles it was just so immense as a kid. I really, really wanted so hard, so hardly, and so badly to love this film. And um, and just it just wasn't doing it for me. I don't know. I I just it just it just let me down. And I think a lot of a lot of kids probably felt that way. A lot of turtles fans. My generation probably felt that way. This movie just let them down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those kids watching Power Rangers, so I was fine. 
<laughs> I was <You're> bastard. <laughs> well, I am a little bit younger than you. So, you know, I was born yeah, in 84, Turtles, uh, not Turtles, Power Rangers in 93. So I was, yeah. the, I was the right age. If we're going to talk good things about this movie, though, they did bring back John Dupretz, who was the composer on the first movie. Oh, there you he's, go. He's back here. He was a member, I think we mentioned it before, of the 1980s salsa-driven pop band Modern Romance. He then went on okay. to uh, write several film scores, including Oxford Blues in 84, Once Bitten, Turtles in 1990, and he did the final Carry On film, Carry On Columbus in 92. And then in 2006, he contributed to the Disney film The Wild. So he was a good thing to be back here um, because, wow, his – oh, I really like the score of that first film. I mean, Mm. this film isn't that – yeah, so good. Uh, I mean, I can't even even recall this score. I just like the idea of the composer for the film back. That first sequence in the the first movie where – they uh, they're in the, the sewers and you see their shadows and they're talking they're they're, they're bantering and wisecracking. Then they just jump out and there they are in living color and the and the, the, and the music playing in the background. Everything about it as a kid, you just lost your shit. You were just like, this is the greatest thing I will ever see. And then the film started. <laughs> oh, yeah, you talked about side. the first movie. Oh, sorry, you talked about the first movie. The first movie, yeah. Oh, okay, I'll talk. We're still trying as I said, nice things that, about this. That's, that's, you were talking about the first movie, and uh, and then um, as a callback to it, I said, yeah, that 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 whole intro. Scene oh, that makes sense. About. That makes sense. No, but I was yeah, but I was more of yeah. the music, the music in the first film. Like you were, yeah. as we were saying, like that just really popped. Like that whole intro scene just blew your kid, your, your kid mind. It did absolutely. I mean, it is incredible. I've lost track how many times I've listened to what I was saying, though. The point I'm trying to make is I can't remember the score for this film. Uh, I recently just rewatched it. I, I can't gotcha. remember. Maybe yeah. there's some strong influences lifted from what you're talking about that first opening sewer scene in that first movie when they're actually in New York before they go back mm. in time. Maybe mm. some of that is carried over. And then I guess mm. the sound would be very different in feudal mm. Japan. But I don't I don't remember the score. So yeah, this this movie it ended the live action films again until the, the Michael Bay reboot mm. from memory. They're not mutants or right. aliens, but we'll we'll save that for, for yeah. another time. It would be a, it would be a long time before we would see live action turtles again and before Michael Bay would reboot the franchise. Absolutely. But if this film would have been better. There were early plans for a fourth installment. Playmates toy catalogs indicated a fourth film would be released in 1996, but it never materialized. No. The script entitled TMNT 4, The Foot Walks Again, was written by Craig Shapiro and John Travis, while Peter Laird has released concept designs for a version which he says would have been titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, The Next Mutation. Instead, Ah. the TV series Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation was produced from 97 to 98, but that shared little with the prior Mm. concept work besides the subtitle. What's interesting, though, although I had stopped watching Power Rangers at the time of Turtles, The Next Mutation, but Mm. I do know there was a live action crossover between Turtles and Power Rangers. 
Wow. That's because the thing that, that happened. That show was live action, I'm pretty sure, and there was a female was. turtle introduced. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I vaguely was... recall that. She had a shit up. Um, I can't remember the name of her bandana. I can't remember the color of her bandana. Light blue. Yes. It was lighter than Leo. It was a light blue. And then currently in the comics, there is it's a different character, but there is a female turtle, and she's got Jenica, a yellow Jenica. a yellow mask. Yeah, there you go. Jenica, yeah. and she's got the claws. Yeah. But I do remember seeing the next mutation TV series. Um mm. it made turtles in this film look like Jim Henson. Like they, wow. they were shocking. The costumes were shocking. Like wow. made for TV oh, wow. costumes. Um, well, I mean, look at look. TV's yeah. production values are obviously going to be largely different than movie production values. Then not now. I mean, now TV looks incredible. Like you can watch an episode of television, The Lost, uh, The Last of Us, or whatever, and yeah. it looks amazing. But back then, I mean, shit. Kids look, shows, look at The Mandalorian yeah. now. The Mandalorian's incredible, right? Yeah, great yeah. pull. Yeah, I mean, That's, yeah, Mandalorian so you, looks you amazing. Want, you, know, you want to talk production values? Doesn't get any better right now. So it's changed, but this wasn't just a show in the nineties. This was a kids' show in the nineties. Yes, uh, that was made yeah. for Fox, and yeah, it was a it was a different thing. So if this film would have done better, then more than likely we would have got a, a fourth movie because mm. for the longest time, Turtles printed money, and then it stopped around about this time. And since this film, so many different comic book uh, animated iterations. So many over the years, we're about to get yeah. a new uh, Seth Rogen produced Turtles. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And and again, like we will get to TMNT, the CGI animated film. We will yeah. review the two Michael Bay produced Turtles films. But for now, Absolutely. though, this movie, and it's got a subtitle, hasn't it? So it's often simply referred to as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, but it's Three also known as... Time. Turtles in Time. Would you? There was a game. Just the number, was, or do you, do you like the subtitle? Well, I've always called it Turtles Three, but Turtles in Time works. But it's also the name of a game. There was a video game called Turtles in Time, um, which was the third or fourth installment of the early video game series. I've actually got it as part of the Calabunga collection on my Xbox, which got released a year or two ago. Um, so there's some parallels there. They share the same subtitle. Yeah. There you go. I think for the, for naming this episode, I might just go with Turtles Three, just or yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Three. Turtles Three, and that's what it's like you say. It's more eponymously commonly known as that. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'm on the edge of my seat here. If you're going to rate this film out of five, uh, look, um, it's bittersweet for me because I love the Turtles so much, and I have since I was like ten years old or thereabouts. So, um, look, I in my heart of hearts, I want to give it a three, which is a recommend. But I think I'm going to have to come in a little lower. I think I'm going to have to come in at like two, two point five, um, somewhere in that ballpark, just because it's just so it's such an abysmal letdown. I'm sure, like, I'm sure there are things to like about it. I suppose the thing that I would say is that I like about it is the return of Elias Cotiers as Casey Jones. Uh, but that was in and of itself a mess because he played two characters and it was really freaking confusing. I know, but so, with that though, it's just if you're just going to bring Casey Jones back to have yeah. him not fight, to have yeah. him just be a chaperone, like yeah, why bother? Why bother? So none of the none of nothing about that film made sense. They don't even use their weapons um, half the time. So um, 
you know, I think they're just avatars for kid entertainment by this point. And it becomes a, a parody of itself. So, and that's what disappointed me, I, I guess, looking back at it. So, yeah, I, I, I can't give it anything higher than a two or 2.5, I think, which is a real damn shame. Yeah. It, it's a bad movie, isn't it? Uh, mm. It is. It's that's, that's being nice. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's not even. So we've got a good story. Like, you know, we've mm. said, you know, loosely based on the comics, but even if I was reading that as a two-part comic, I wouldn't have like thought, wow, what a great Turtles comic. It's just, mm. it's too, it's too far removed from what That's you know like movie. about the characters because the setting of New York, that's a character in itself. I mean, Turtles, yeah. Splinter in New York, April O'Neil, Casey Jones kicking ass. Yeah. That's not this film. It's just not this film. No. Oh, I'm going to be, might sound harsh. I'm going to come in at a one, one out of five with this one. It's just, it's just disappointing. You know, again, we've talked about it, how go back to where it started. And yes, they fought less and didn't use weapons. And it was more cartoony with the second one. They had vanilla ice with a ninja rap. But at least mm. it was entertaining. Like, and you could go with it and you had super yeah. shredder. There it was gave you something to work like with. About it. Well, that's you it. had something to work with, whereas this they they were very much clutching at straws. You could see it. Yeah, one one out of five, which you know that's the lowest mm. I would go on this show. And yeah. And, and yeah, and you can't go any lower. Yeah, well, well, that's it. I could go 0.5, but I wouldn't. It's too harsh. <laughs> Zero point <laughs> five. Now it's it's a one out of five. It's just it's never not been disappointing. Um, mm. you're just looking at where they start to be. Yeah, where they started in 1990. Um, yeah. It, it's just and where the live action and franchise ended up. It's too different. It is too different. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to introduce time travel. Mm. Um, yeah, what a, just, what like, a misstep. It, on one hand, you want to say that it could work, but on the other, it just doesn't, like you're right, it doesn't hold water cinematically. It doesn't hold water for the, the IP that the Turtles is. Like you're, you're truly it, right. I think I could have been more accepting because it is such a big change if this mm. would have been maybe at least the fourth film. So we mm. got a New York City trilogy. And then they're like, yeah. do you know what? We've got our trilogy. We're going to look at going into a different direction. Let's, let's do something different. Let's do, do you know time travel. Done? You know what they should have done? If they're going to do travel, go off world and and, and and do the Triceratons and do Professor Honeycutt like the – um, the CGI show, Nickelodeon show of, of 2012 to 17 did and and referenced the early Mirage comics where they do go off world once they've done all their New York stuff and they have it space adventures. Do that because that's more compelling. I mean, it's big yeah. budget, but do that, you know? And that's it. Whereas they just the time travel, but really they just filmed in a forest or, or yeah. wood. It, and- yeah, it's <laughs> like it was, they just, it was like one and done. They just shoehorned it in. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's, it's an odd choice to round out a trilogy. It really but is. Again, like, I mean, they had plans for number four, but it's just, yeah, what a massive I totally agree with you, mister. man. Like, I totally agree with you. This could have been good, decent enough fodder for a fourth or fifth movie, or, or, or right, you know, but, and maybe make dress it up a little more, make it a bit better. But for a trilogy, you don't want to round out a trilogy where they just go back to Japan in time. I mean, just, totally I mean right. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, wow. And they, they so started so strong. They started so strong with that. They did, movie. and then they ended so abysmally low. That's what that's what hurts me as a fan. Yeah, 
I feel your pain. Well, that's it for our episode all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.